another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to The Dark Crystal Minute. And begin all the same, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And now once more the world must undergo a time of testing. It is time, time to return to the castle. There is much to be learned. And you have no time. And here's your hosts, Philip Mitchell and Jamie Prater. Hello and welcome to The Dark Crystal Minute. This is your minute-by-minute discussion on the cult classic film, The Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip Mitchell, and I'm from Trial by Stone, The Dark Crystal Podcast. And I am J.M. Prater, and I am from Perfect Organism, The Alien Saga Podcast, and Shoulder of Orion, The Blade Runner Podcast. Alrighty, so in this episode, we are up to the ninth minute of The Dark Crystal. So, to sort of recap what happens in this um, ninth minute of The Dark Crystal, um, it's mainly just a lot of dialogue um, back and forth between Jen and the Master, and with the Master saying that basically that he, that Jen needs to find the Crystal Shard, and that he has to find the Shard before the three sons meet, and that he reveals that Olgra holds the shard and that Jen would need to go to 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 Olgra to get the shard to save the world. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically what happens in this uh, minute of the Dark Crystal minute. Probably one of the things that sort of um, pop up, I mean, I love sort of, um, sort of this, I don't, know, I don't know how you describe it, almost like a magic bowl in a way um, mm-hmm. that sort of when the master's talking and then, you know, the shard sort of, appears which is actually interesting i i hadn't thought about that in the later minutes but of course when jen goes to see olga and he's trying to work out which of the three shards it is that if the other shards were a bit different or whether i think probably i mean the the vision of the shard was only visible for you know five or ten seconds so um it was just something that just sort of popped up just yeah (laughs) while watching this uh minute of the dark crystal yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I and I think the bowl to me, even you know, watching this over and over, that bowl has always been. It's it is this like magic thing. It's like they're wizards, you know. They're these mm. magical creatures. They're not just um, you know, they're not just these wise old monks. They're they have a little bit of magic to them. But uh, yeah, I, I love the bowl scene. It's always entranced me. I just love yeah, just the the you know that that shard just like disappears and dissolving that kind of thing. And then afterwards, I mean, this is probably my favorite part of, of the minute is when you see the mystic reaching his hand out and, and you also see Jen sort of reaching out to him as well. And they touch for, you know, just for a little moment and then he pulls mm-hmm. away. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Just, um, again, just, you know, just that extra added detail of performance, just that, yeah, add that believability with these, um, characters or creatures in a way yeah it's amazing i mean as we're talking just looking at it and uh the the subtlety of their their touch you know and it, it, it almost references that famous painting i think it's by michelangelo in the sistine chapel where god is touching man oh yeah um so it's just that it's almost like a little bit of that and just to see if you look at that at the shot you see his other hands underneath the the thing where his head is they're kind of his fingers are moving a little bit there's just real subtle movements that make this whole thing absolutely believable 
Yeah, and it's just amazing, especially just with the performance. Because um, I know in particular, like with the Mystics, that the puppeteers, they were pretty much hunched, you know, really hunched over to um, to get, you know, to be in the costume to puppeteer the um, the Mystic. And just the combination mm-hmm. of things that sort of went on about to to really uh, bring them to life. It's, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it, it, it's it's fantastic. And to think that they, in this shot, you know, you have Jen kneeling down. These are all very simple things. But in fact, and I know we've discussed this before, and we'll probably continue discussing it, underneath these sets, these sets are really high up so that these, these puppeteers are underneath the floors puppeteering these things. And there's different versions of these sets built depending on what shot they're at. So mm. in one part, if it's Jen, they're under the floor. And then over where his master is, they're on top of the floor in the costume. Yeah. It's not, you know, these are complex. I mean, it's not just complex, the puppeteering of these things. It's complex how they have to build the sets to accommodate the puppeteers. You know, the fact that they would have had to build sets, you know, five or so meters, you know, below them, I guess, in a way. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot of techniques. And um, I remember that was sort of part of, like, the big thing with, um, even in Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, that with Yoda's heart, that that was, you know, built uh at least a good couple of meters uh, above you know ground just for um yes frank oz to be able to to move around and um uh with yoda and then yeah i mean we get a good glimpse uh, again you know back with this the magic bowl of Ogre's home which i mean i was sort of looking at this like the shape of Ogre's home and it's almost it, it is almost like shaped like as a brain yeah, uh, in some way. That. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just, it's a very interesting. It's an interesting uh, aesthetic choice that they made. Like it, like it's kind of like the yeah, like the she understands like, sh- and then you go into her her home and you've got all you know the the or the orrery going on, which I know we'll get to yeah. eventually during this uh, Dark Crystal Minute uh, podcast. So there's all of these kind of mechanics going on inside this brain. Um, that the world is kind of always turning and always ticking. Mm. It's interesting what, how they're doing this, how they're kind of telling the story. And just, yeah, just the amount of work that they go in, you know, considering that, you know, this was sort of a, you know, a children's film, but just by thinking way beyond that sort of, um, I guess, mentality, you know, adding these sort of, um, the mythologies and, you know, adding, um, having reasons for why things are designed that way and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's just, again, just, um, um, incredible stuff. What I always find fascinating in this scene is that the master, Jen's master, this mystic master, knows where the shard is. So they have known that the time is coming. They know that what's going to happen is going to happen. There is a prophecy. The Skeksis have vowed to kind of destroy these Gelflings to make sure the prophecy doesn't happen. But the mystics are wiser. They know where the shard is. They know that the Gelfling that they saved is going to help heal the crystal. And they know that this is going to happen. None of this is foreign to them. It's not all, well, we hope you can do it. They know it has to be done. They know that uh, Jen's journey. And I don't, I don't think they knew about Kira. I don't think they know everything. No. Uh, her um, Kira's journey is, I think, a journey that they didn't expect. But they still knew that by Gelfling hand or else by none, you know, like this will happen or it won't. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the idea that the, the mystic master knows where the shard is and that he knows that, uh, 
Agra has held it this this long. And I think Agra has known it too. She's known, but she just didn't know which one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially when we get in the future minutes, yeah, like when she just throws a bunch of shards at, at Jen and, yeah, like she, she has, yeah, she has the feeling that she knows that she has the shard but just don't know which one. But, yeah, yeah it's just interesting how they, they know about these things but I think, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, why didn't Jen learn, you know, earlier about, you know, this quest or whatnot? Because, I mean, basically, you know, Jen's only got probably, uh, I would say, you know, like a couple of days or a week to try and, you know, figure out this quest. And you would think that, that the mystics would raise him up and be able, I mean, they did raise him up, of course, but sort of be able to sort of train him up to be up for the challenge to take on this quest, you know, to find the shard and put the shard back into the place. But I think probably from that, the Great Conjunction is what they're just really waiting for to happen for it to all work. Yeah, it's just something I always thought of, like, is, you know, if the shard went back into the place before the conjunction, whether that would, I mean, I guess it could work, but they just would have to wait for the suns to appear to, you know, to make the most out of the action. Um, And I would say, lastly, my last thoughts on this shot, this scene between Jen and his master, again, just really point to the detail. I'm looking at the master his, you know, his, there's a little bit of darkness in his eyes. His eyes aren't as open as wide as like the other mystics. He really represents kind of the, his, his age. His hair is more white cover. His blanket is tattered. His clothes are really tattered. Like all of it. It's uh, just the level of detail. Again, the level of imperfection. None of this is perfect. Whereas I think about like a similar scene might be in the Hobbit films and you go inside the Hobbit you know the you know the hobbiton and it's perfect everything looks perfect all the all the elves or i'm sorry not the elves but the dwarves all of their hair is perfect all of their costumes are perfect there's not one thing out of place and it makes it too pristine and you look at this and nothing's perfect and it makes it beautiful um so you have very similar ideals happening in these two films but the dark crystal the people behind the Dark Crystal and Jim Henson and Frank Oz and all of these artisans realize that the imperfect makes this perfect. The imperfect has made this believable. I'll continue to talk about that and how beautiful and imperfect the, these these images are and how and and why it's so, so successful because of it. Yeah, it's it's just incredible stuff as always. Um, and I think we'll we'll wrap up for this uh, minute of the Dark Crystal minute. And, um, yeah, stay tuned for, uh, yeah, the future episodes of the Dark Crystal Minute. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalminute at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalminute or on Twitter at darkcrystalmin. The Dark Crystal Minute is a part of the Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast Network. So if you're able to give us a five-star review on iTunes, that'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for your time and come back next time for more The Dark Crystal Minute.